0: And thank you very much, and, and uh, I, I tell you, uh, Ben and I, we share, and just to give the connection, my, uh, my grandfather and his grandmother are brother and sister, and so that makes us cousins. But through Christ, we're brothers, and we call it Brother Cuz, and that's, and that's how it goes, and again, I'm honored to be here, and, and I'll tell you, when Ben, you said that Andrew Newman was coming up here, I saw Todd Newman. I don't know why, I saw Todd up here, but I think it was 10 years ago that Andrew, you were in Scotland with us, and I tell you, it's amazing what 10 years, it just goes by so fast, doesn't it? Uh, Seeing Mike Gifford up here as well, and just so thankful for that prayer, And, and I'll tell you, the reunion as a result of being here has been just, it's been healing, it's been wonderful. And again, I mentioned last night, it reminds me of what it's going to be when we gather at that river, and when we have that... Reunion in heaven, and when those who have gone, those who are dead, there is no severing that that will ever take place because of the hope that we have laid up in heaven. And that is the title of this lesson, the focus that we have tonight. But, uh, you know, last night as we saw that hope that's in a walk, it, it's, uh, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. That shows that that is God's desire to walk with us, but when Adam and Eve made the decision to walk away from God, that never changed God's desire. That never changed his nature in any, uh, any way possible, in the slightest. It means that he continues to want to walk with us all the way into heaven. That's why our hope is laid up in heaven. And I had Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desired fulfilled is a tree of life. You know, that hope deferred. The moment Adam and Eve were cast away from the presence of God, their hope was deferred. Their hope, they were separated from their, their God. They were separated from that tree of life, and it causes that homesickness. You know, and, and we understand that concept of homesickness. We understand that, that concept of, of having hope deferred, hope being cut off. We need to realize that our hope is not in something that can be cut off. Our hope is not in something that can change because, like I said last night, our hope will change. Our hope is not in something that can break because our hope will break. We've got to realize that our hope is in, is in accessing the tree of life. That means we need a hope that is laid up in heaven. If you'll turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, that's going to be where we're going to find most of our focus for the lesson tonight. We're going to allow it to give us our points. But uh, this idea of the phrase, hope laid up in heaven, is found in verse 5. So I want to start in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Why? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And so it's because of that hope that's laid up for heaven. Look at all of the things that take place. Again, those are going to provide us with our points tonight. What does it mean to have something laid up? In heaven, I mean, maybe I think about a layup in basketball, but really, what this is saying is, hope is on layaway. When I say something that's on layaway, that is that's something that we remember from our past. But you know, you can still go to Walmart and buy something on layaway. You can still do it. And so, what I want to submit is like hope that is on layaway. And so, just to give a, a background to it, I've got a story. Of buying a bike when I was eight years old and I bought it on layaway and uh, And so I want to use that as an example for the lesson tonight Tomorrow for class and for the sermon and so for you to hear like Paul Harvey would say the rest of the story You'll need to focus on that during class and the sermon But to introduce this idea I just want to say today. We are spoiled as a society Generally with a with a with with a a plastic card you can swipe it And if it's that bicycle you can literally wheel it out of uh, the establishment and pay for it later And you get to experience it until you pay for it When I was eight years old I had saved I think it was around I had about 30 or 40 dollars It's kind of one of those memories. that's very hazy for me but uh, the Walmart in South Haleyville, they still had the regular Walmart not that super Walmart, you know And and uh, it still sold the used bicycles in the front that had the chain going through them in the front And I looked at the used section because it was it had a it had a it didn't have a one in front of it You know what I'm saying when you look at the bicycle and there was a red 10-speed and I just so happened to find this image with the balloons already on it. It was perfect It's very similar to the bicycle that I'm telling you it was there are some changes some differences in it but a 10 speed red Bicycle for $80 and I had about 30 to 40 and I said dad I really want this bike. He said how much do you have? I said 30 to 40. He says what we'll do is you can get it I said yes, and we'll put it on layaway And you can buy the rest of it. The thing was you do not get the bicycle until it is paid in full. But I said, absolutely, I want to do this. Again, eight years old. And so uh, I remember I went and, and talked to the, they had a layaway counter in the back of the, the store, and I went and talked to the lady, and, and uh, she called somebody, and he went out, and I remember following him, and he had the keys to that chain, and he unchained it, and it was on the end, and he, he click, 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 I mean, it had that sound, and he clicked it to the back of the store, and I said, oh, there's, there's my bike. And I get a piece of paper that is given to me with a, an understanding. And it was a receipt for the money that I put down <clears throat> that I would then pay the rest of it off. And then I would give this every time. They would, they would make sure that I had covered the amount. And then I would give that paper back. And then they would go to the back of that store and get that bicycle. And I would have that bicycle. So the moment they wheeled it away behind those double doors, I remember thinking, my bike is on layaway. I've almost got it. And I want you to get that picture of our hope that's on layaway. It caused me to think about that bicycle. It caused me to think about what I'm going to do to be able to get the money to buy that bicycle. And, and in fact, it, you know, uh, my great aunt, Ben's grandmother, she used to send me a birthday card Every year, and on that card, I remember thinking it was the dollar that was most important. It was the card that was the most important. But that year, that dollar went toward that layaway. So I find that very fitting for that story for us today. But I remember trying to figure out anything I could to be able to get that bicycle. Think about our hope that's in heaven, that is laid up in heaven, that is on layaway for us. It's going to cause us to think about it. It's going to cause us to try to get as many people to come with us as possible to take part in that hope that we have on layaway. This hope that we're talking about in Colossians 1 and verse 5, the first place, it produces faith. It produces faith. Did you notice that in verse 4? It says, since we heard of your faith... In Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven So because of this hope laid up for you in heaven He's saying you've got faith in Christ Jesus as they wheeled that bike into the back. I had faith That I was going to get that bike. I had faith that I was going to work toward getting that bicycle Faith was there and, and I think it's important, because let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. We went there last night, we're gonna go there tomorrow again. But Hebrews chapter 11 <clears throat> says, now faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. The moment those double doors closed, I didn't see that bicycle anymore. And I did not immediately just forget what, what was going on. I remember the bicycle, I visualized the bicycle. I was going to get the bicycle. Even though I wasn't seeing it anymore, I was going to have it. So it kind of gives me that visual, that, that idea of our hope that's on layaway. So faith is the assurance. So we're not talking about, you know, that, that, that horrible use of the word hope. Where, are you going to get a good grade on that test? I hope so. You know, are Are you going to get that raise this year? I hope so. You know, when we use the word hope, so often it's used in the idea that we don't know. But we have this ethereal idea that maybe. But that's not what hope is. Hope is an assurance. I know, therefore I have hope. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about our hope laid up in heaven. I know it. And that's why it's producing faith in us. And in fact, it says, for by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We don't have to see it to know that it is, it's been established by God. I think that's something very important. I've got a story to establish this, but look at verse 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him You know, we're gonna come across people in their in our lives who are seeking God and they may not even know it Because they're seeking fulfillment They're seeking a, a purpose a meaning to life. I've been trying to study with a young man and and uh, and he's 32 years old But he's trying to get clean and he's, he struggles with, with alcohol. And so we've been having a Bible study. It's been phenomenal going through this. It's a back to the Bible study. And, and, uh, and, and, and you know what he said? He says, you know, he said, I'm trying to get clean. He said, but, you know, I, I've got nothing to live for. And I said, you know what that means? I said, you're simply trying to be clean. It's kind of like our understanding of peace. Peace is actually an absence of war. So we're actually okay with the concept of peace as being nothingness. (laughs) And that's not the peace that Jesus leaves with us. Peace that he gives us is something that's tangible. In the same way, you know, when you're just trying to get clean, you're satisfied with empty. You're you're like that person who who had the demon removed from his life and had his his house Absolutely swept and cleaned but when the demon returned he brought seven more because he found it swept and clean He found it empty. We've got to replace and I I talked to him. You've got to replace the spirits with spirit And that's the journey that we're on in trying to 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 help him And, and the thing is it's not about this this emptiness We've got to replace it we walk by faith, we're going to please him. In fact, it's impossible to please him without faith. We live in a world that wants to please itself, and it's, it pleases itself with emptiness. But if we're seeking to please God, in fact, as a result, he rewards those who seek him. Those who are seeking the world don't realize they're never going to be fulfilled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There are people who are hungry and they're thirsty. I don't know one person who's not hungry and thirsty. I'll tell you, Young Sook served meal for us tonight. I'm not hungry anymore. Minggu, I'm so thankful for that invitation, brother. Uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming. People are hungry and they're thirsty. I've not met one person who's not. They don't realize that they're going to have to eat again. They're going to have to drink again. But God offers true satisfaction that we cannot comprehend. And, and so I've got a story of a young man named Dylan. Uh, when, we were, when we were in 4th Street in, in Selmer, Mary and I had just gotten married. And we were, we were uh, living in the youth minister's house. I was a youth minister for the 4th Street Church of Christ. And, uh, and and I remember talking to the elders and asking if I could put a garden next to the house So I when I say a garden, I'm talking about tomatoes squash okra We had I, I had man. I love eating whatever it can grow and that's that's something we had What was great was and just to give you a side note majority of the members grew up in a with with a garden eating from whatever they grew and so I was doing Titus 2 and, and trying to get the older men and older women to be the example to the young. And I was trying to be Titus, and so we used the garden to do it. And it was a great opportunity for the gospel. Well, there was a basketball goal just down the street, uh, right down from our house on the parking lot. And kids from the community would come and play on the basketball goal. And so I'd go down and play with them as best I could. And, and uh, one day, I was putting in my garden. I was putting okra in, the last plant that I had. And uh, that year I had just I had gone with plants and so and so this young man Dylan walks by and he's got a sideways hat and he's got at the time it was jinko jeans you may remember those massive pieces of material you know of, of, of pants and he's walking past and he's like he's like he's like "Mr. Richard, what are you doing?" And I said I'm putting okra in the garden. He was like, "Okra?" He said, "I love fried okra." He says, "I didn't know it came from a plant." I said, yeah, it comes from the plant. And I, and I said, come over here. So he, he gets down on his knees, and I give him the plant. I gave him a trowel, and I said, you're going to dig the hole. And he digs the hole, and he goes to put it in. And he is just being so careful. I was like, man, said, I'm going to break it. I said, you're not going to break it. Just put it in, you know. So he puts it in. Again, it's the last plant on the corner. And I said, Dylan, this is your okra plant. He's like, What? I said, anything that comes off this okra plant is yours. That means it's your responsibility. So when you come by, you get whatever comes off this plant. And he was, you should have seen his eyes. Had no idea this young man had moved around and he was looking for stability. He was looking for roots. And it just so happened to be an okra plant. The next day, another young man is coming. They're walking through the yard to go play basketball behind the house. And he sees his buddy and he's like, hey man. He's like, that's my okra plant. He's like, that's my okra plant. And so as it's growing, obviously it took a while for the okra to come on. And so, so he would come by and actually get him coming back to the garden, us discussing. And he said, I don't believe in God. And, uh, and I remember we were having a discussion. I said, hey, do you see that okra on your okra plant? I said, you know, you planted that. I said, did tomatoes start coming off of that plant? He said, no. I said, what came off that plant? He said, okra. I said, why? I said, because you planted an okra plant, so okra will come. In the same way, you plant a tomato seed, a tomato will come. I said, where did that come from? I said, there's design in that, and that necessitates a designer. And he went, I never thought about it that way. Caught him to think. And that's all we're trying to do is get people to think, and we're surrounded by the example that there is an, an invisible power something greater than me, I can plant an okra plant, but I cannot make an okra seed. I can't make it happen. I I took a, we have a big 200-year-old oak tree next to the house then, and I picked up one of those uh, millions of acorns, and and I, I, I held it up, and I said to him, I said, you know, you look at this acorn, Dylan, and look at that tree. It's about 200 years old, and all of the information that's needed for, that, for this to become that is right here. But I took it out and I opened. I said, let's help God out a little bit. And I start opening it. I said, is that going to grow? He says, man, you just ruined it. I can only ruin what God has made. I cannot even create an acorn. And it is incredible when you start to look at this concept of faith. What God has given us as we're waiting for our hope laid up in heaven is the examples that he is everywhere. Uh, You know, it reminds me of Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Peter also, he showed us that that our faith is established by the hope kept in heaven. If you'll turn to 1 Peter 1, and I've got verse 4 up there, but I want us to go to verse 3. First it says blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ According to his great mercy He has caused us to be born again to a living hope He has caused us to be born again to a living hope He's saying the hope we have it's alive. It's not something that's dead It's something that is going to only grow. It's going to only sit there and continue to help us as we wait So he's born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we have a living hope. Why? Because of what Jesus did when he he rose from the dead. meant that we have an inheritance that's imperishable. It's undefiled. And it's kept there for us. It made me think of that bike that was kept in the back on layaway. When our hope is on layaway, our our inheritance is kept in heaven for us. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So what guards our hope that's on layaway? It's our faith for the salvation ready to be revealed. And it's only faith in God's Power. So that brings us to the second point that hope laid up in heaven reveals faith Well, what's the difference it either produces faith or it reveals faith It's both In fact, we understand it is God's power and you realize that that means God has faith in You God has faith in me. Let's turn to first Corinthians chapter 1. We're gonna go to chapter 1 and chapter 10 But in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 1, it says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying... We're going to have to wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and as we wait, what happens? Verse 8, who will sustain you to the end. So while we wait, we are sustained. You know, that was the hardest thing for me, having to wait to be able to get that bicycle. Because, I, I mean, it takes a long time if you're just scraping a dollar here. Or I remember finding a quarter in, in and finding dime and nickel and, and, and pennies. And it was the greatest thing. I, every time I found something, it caused me to say, almost there When I had an opportunity to buy a piece of candy. I remember actually looking at that candy and going later (laughs) Because it wasn't worth what I'm waiting for Right and so it's amazing what that what that does and it will sustain us keep us going Notice it says guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this hope laid up in heaven doesn't just produce your faith and my faith; it reveals the faith that God has in you, that God has in me. It actually completes the 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 relationship. If it's just your faith in God, then that's only one-sided. It's only one-sided. If it's just God's faith in you and you have no faith in him, that's just one-sided. God's not dragging you anywhere, but God's not expecting you to hang on without any help from him. It's two-sided. And, and it reminds me of, of Hebrews, or, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 and 13. And verse 12 is one that he who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. I've thought of that so often. We've quote that often, don't we? What, that, what that's saying is, he who thinks he stands, he's saying, anyone who thinks that they can do it on their own, that one-sided relationship, anyone who thinks that they can have faith in their, themselves, take heed you're going to fall. So And sometimes, I think we even use this to say, I'm a really good Christian. I remember as a kid getting top 10 in Bible Bowl. I got a trophy for it, lads to leaders. I remember thinking, I know so many facts about God. I'm a really good Christian. He who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. You see, if we think that it's all about my ability to follow God, and that I'm just a really good Christian, and then that's the faith that I have, the moment we stumble, then our faith is shattered. And we fall. Because we didn't take heed. And so we've got to be very careful in that idea of a one-sided faith in God. We could be sitting in a pew and have that view our whole lives, that it's just about my faith in God. I've got to be the best person I can be, and I can't let anyone see that I'm having a bad day, or I can't let anyone see that any bad thing is going on in my life. We're missing, we're missing the relationship. We're missing the relationship with each other. We're missing the relationship with our Father. Because if you look at verse 13, it says no temptation. It's, and again, verses, those, those came in later. This is the next phrase. He who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you. See, we're going to all be tempted. We're going to be tempted with whatever it is. And if, in my, if my faith is in myself, I'm going to give in to that temptation. So it says, no temptation's overtaken you except what is common to man, but God is faithful. Same phrase as chapter one, verse nine. God is faithful and he'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape that you'll be able to endure it. You know, I have actually seen where verse 13 has been used separated from verse 12. Often I hear verse 12 quoted and I hear verse 13 quoted and I don't ever hear them together. And that's the problem because it's actually both sides to one coin. And if you're only looking at one, that's a counterfeit, right? If there's only one side to a coin, it's a counterfeit. So if you're only going to use one part of it, it's a counterfeit. And you're going miss, to miss the point of what's being said. You know, it says that God's not going to give me any more than I can handle. But God, this is more than I can handle. <laughs> so what does that do? It causes us to think that we must be just horrible. Maybe that can even slap us in the face and say, man, I just, I just, this is more than I can take. I'm going to break. Because it says I can provide, it'll provide a way of escape. If you look around, you have exit, 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 exit. Right? We can look at our ways of escape from this physical location, and it's just as simple as walking through an exit to get out of here, right? Well, if I think that that way of escape is okay, when I'm being tempted, I walked out of the way of escape, okay, it's over. It's done. Wait a minute. He who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. If the moment you walk through this way of escape, oh, that's over with, I'm so glad. I now think I stand so notice notice it says that you will be able to endure it It means you're gonna have to continue to go through the way of escape, but guess who's constant in that situation God God is faithful His faith in you and his faith in me is unwavering if you go into a temptation thinking that you are just gonna fall Or that you're just, you're just horrible or man, I can't even believe that I'm being tempted with this. I'm just such a horrible person. Satan is laughing. He's smiling. He's happy. We're told be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians 4. But in 1 Peter 5, we're we're told to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you in due time. That's meaning he'll lift you up in his time, not yours. Does that not apply to he who thinks he stands to He lest he fall? He'll exalt you in his time. Notice it says verse 7 is casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Again, that's one side to the other side of that coin Is be sober and vigilant because your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour and he's trying to devour you. And if you go into the temptation with care on your shoulders, thinking that, you know, with my faith in God, it's just my faith in God that's going to get me through. Then you're going to give in to the temptation because it's only a faith in yourself to get you through. But when you go into temptation knowing, God, I know you've got faith in me. I know that you're not going to give me any more than I can can handle. Please help me through this situation. And he will bring you through, not your ability. Not your ability. So God will bring us through. It reveals a faith that keeps us going. And we need that. So the hope laid up for us in heaven is, is the sustaining nature of the fact that God believes in you. I need that. And so do you, to help us to not give up. Because, you know, I, I mentioned last night, you know, like Enoch, he was not found. Because it meant that he was no longer here. And we've, we've, there are people who have gone on before that they're not found, that we're looking for. But the beautiful side to that is those who have died in the Lord, who have been added to that great cloud of witnesses. And it makes heaven sweeter, doesn't it? But, you know, the, the horrible side to it is there are people who cannot be found because they turn their back on God. They gave up. They stopped trying to serve. And what's interesting is, it's individuals, maybe they gave up, but they still sat in a pew. And and, and as a result, there are people who look at their influence and say, if that's Christianity, I don't want any part of it. And they turn their back on God. So important that as we're walking with God, that our hope is laid up in heaven, that we're not just going through the motions, that we're continuing to strive to put God first our hope is on layaway and it is just within reach if you look at Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 19 beginning it says therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus you see it's the blood of Jesus that gives us that confidence so God has faith in you how by sending his son to die for you to be the blood the the atonement for your sin and my sin the sin that we see is disgusting, that God sees is disgusting. He was willing to put it on the shoulder of his own son. So that we have confidence to approach the throne of God, that means we have confidence not in ourselves. That's he who thinks he stands, take He lest he fall. We have confidence that it's God that's going to bring us through. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain... That is through his flesh. Remember what, what tore in two the moment Jesus died? The, from top to bottom, the, the, the curtain that divided the holy, and ho- the holy of holies from the people. Jesus is our great high priest, and he's made, us, made it possible for us to access our Father through his blood. Verse 21, it says, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Notice it's a full assurance of faith that helps us draw near with a true heart. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast a confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. How are you going to hold to your confession of hope? Because he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. Not neg- and, and, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's why when we're together, we're stirring up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We have a hope laid up in heaven and it produces faith, but it also reveals faith. And it's this perfect circle of relationship with our father by faith. But it also produces love. Did you notice that? It says, he says, verse four of Colossians one, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for some of the saints, right? Some of the saints, some, no, no, did it say that? Love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Because of the hope laid up for us in heaven, we have a love for all the saints. And when we all have faith in Christ and we have that relationship with God through that faith that's revealed and the faith that's produced, and we have that together, there is a love that goes beyond our comprehension. It's a love that we will not find in the world. But when we go according to our own thinking, according to our own way, and maybe even according to that one-sided faith, we're going to miss the whole concept of love for one another. And I need this as a reminder, so, so do you, because it's because of the hope laid up for us in heaven that we will love all the saints, because all the saints, the holy ones, we are all striving with that first, faith in God and God having faith in us. It is a beautiful picture of, of, of the relationship God has for you and for me. This world needs this. Our neighbors, our friends, every person when I was, when I was delivering pizzas when I was here in Beaufort, every house I went to delivering a pizza, they needed, they needed this, this concept. They needed this message. You know, I was driving by today and I noticed it was closed. I, I think it closed when I left. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But that, that kinda, it was kind of hard because they helped me through a very challenging time trying to find work. We never missed a mortgage payment. It was a hard time. Billy, were telling me, you were telling me about your dad's 49 Chevy. I had one at the same time. I sold that. I never restored it. Your dad restored his. I had to sell mine because I had to make some mortgage payments. That's a challenging thing to do, but sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do, right? But when you look at the pursuits of this world, people are, are, are focused on the nine-to-five. They're focused on, what, on, on trying to make it in this life, but what they need more than anything is a relationship with God to be restored. They need their life with God to be eternally secured in heaven. They need the love that you offer them. So when you interact with someone in this world... You never know how they're gonna respond. I, and I remember one time delivering a pizza here in Buford and uh, I had just started and I was, uh, I was delivering the pizza and, and I, had a, I was smiling about it and uh, and the lady was like, uh, she's like, here, th- thanks for the pizza. And I said, uh, hey, you have a great day. And, and I said, man, I'm really enjoying being here. And, and, uh, and I said, yeah, I just got the job and her husband's inside and he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have that. And I said, I'm not. My truck has always needed a hat. And that was the moment, you know, it was hilarious. And then you have an opportunity to just have a conversation with someone. And it cuts through any of those things. If you try to show love for others, you know, in the the midst of challenging situations, we have opportunities every day to shine the light of Christ. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 1 and, and verse 2, it says, we give thanks to God always... Always, even in challenging situations. Because that's always, right? Not when it's going, just when it's going good. Also when it's going rough. We give thanks always. Why? Because it's giving it to God. And he says, for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. So, notice they have this work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in their Lord Jesus Christ, and that is what is the cause for thanksgiving. When one of those is missing, there is no thanksgiving. And we're thankful when we're walking with God, when we're striving to get to heaven and get as many people with us as we can. You know, it's, it's interesting when I think about this labor of love that we need faith, we need hope, But one day we won't need it. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Why? Because faith, right now it's without sight, but one day we're going to see God face to face. Hope is something, it's, it's it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the moment we see it, our hope will then be realized. What will happen to love? It's waiting for us behind those doors (laughs) on layaway. It's in heaven. It's for all eternity. So love is something that we're experiencing now and we will experience it for all eternity. And so if we're not experiencing love now, why not? Why not? What's getting in the way? So till then, our faith and our hope is laid up in heaven. And that's going to produce fruit. It's going to produce fruit... When we're striving to reach others for the cause of Christ. Uh, Here in 1 Thessalonians, if you'll turn to to chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. These are things that we put on. And so while we wait for our hope that's laid up in heaven, we can wear it now. Faith and love with that helmet, protecting our mind. When you have the hope of salvation and it's on your mind, it literally is something you're going to focus on as you go throughout your day, just like I did for that bicycle. It was something that I thought about constantly. It was always on my mind. I literally have that idea of it wheeling back to the back. And it's something I think about. That helps me in understanding my hope for heaven. It's tangible. Notice it says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us to, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. He's saying encourage one another. encourage one another just as you are doing. And the way I think about that is I'm saying to, to you at Buford, encourage one another just as Edna Bradshaw is doing. You know of those who are encouraging to you, those who those who are encouragers just as you are doing. He says, keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep striving to reach the lost, Notice, it's the obtaining of our salvation. It's the fruit of whose labor? Christ's labor. Christ's labor. Because of what Jesus did, the fruit of uh, of Christ's labor is our salvation. Back in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this you've heard before in the word of truth the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing as it is also doing among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of of God in truth. He's saying that when we receive salvation, we become the fruit of Christ's labor. And it it is something that's only going to grow. And we cannot help but say, did you hear? Have you heard about what Jesus did? And when we are constantly thinking about what our hope that is laid up in heaven, that we're not going to give up on it, and that we're continuing to work till Jesus comes, we're going to be on fire for God. And as a result, people will want to know more. They want to know why. Why are you doing what you're doing? It will cause people to experience the grace of God through your life, through your example. Notice it's this bearing of fruit, and it must be growing. Tomorrow, we're going to focus on that. this concept of, of hope comes through grace. Looking forward to that in our class tomorrow. I want to encourage you to be here tomorrow. But at this time, our hope is to be laid up in heaven. But you know, when I went to get that bicycle, I, I, had to, I had to get that agreement. I had to get that piece of paper in order for me to then go and get it redeemed so that I could get what was on layaway. <laughs> We're told that we've got to put Christ on in baptism. For those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ And that's how we're going to be recognized by Christ when we've put him on. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, I'm going to encourage you. If we can can study with you, if we can can maybe start the conversation, can we help you in any way? Maybe you, you are a child of God, but you need to be encouraged. Can we help you? This invitation is for you. Please respond now while together we stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood
1: and righteousness. I dare not trust God's sweetest
0: friend. closing song though, Home of the Soul and then we'll be fully closed in a prayer. Again, thanks for your presence tonight here on the last day of the week. Exciting first day of the week tomorrow. So good bookends uh, this week. Home of the Soul. We'll sing all verses and then be closed in prayer. If for the prize we have striven after our labors are o'er rest to our souls will be given of the soul, beautiful, there we shall rest, never to roam, free from all care, happy and bright, Jesus is there, He is the light, often the storm, lonely are we, sighing for all, Longing for Thee, beautiful home of the ransom, beside the crystal sea. Yes, a sweet rest is remaining for the true children of God, where there will be no complaining.
1: Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful opportunity to be here today, to be able to sing songs of praise and hear a message from your word. We thank you for the Harp family. We thank you for Brother Harp delivering the message and for his family from Kentucky to Georgia to Alabama, this church family here at Buford has been blessed by the Harps. We also thank you for your word and for the opportunity to get a message today of encouragement, of guidance, of instruction. We hope that we take what we hear from the spiritual food that we receive and are lucky to receive and are fortunate to receive at this congregation and allow your light to shine through us as we go through our day-to-day path. We are also blessed with many physical things and we, we plan to enjoy some of those tonight and we thank you for the hands that have prepared and brought those things to us. We know that many of the physical blessings you give us are sweet, but as we celebrate those, let us glorify you because the sweetness of physical things is nothing compared to the sweetness that can only be found in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And in his name we pray, amen.